I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson, Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Whoa, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson and he scores on the last play of the game. Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will. I've got office hands. Mjerden, how's it going today, Will? It's going well and that is incredibly accurate. Nice, soft, smooth, not a lot of hard work happened with these hands, that's for sure. No calluses? Not at all. I see... It, it is disgusting when I do spend like a day on the, the tools. On the tools. So I get like a pick. <laughs> yeah. Literally like seven minutes in. <laughs> and like the size of my entire palm is a blister. I'm like, what is this? And your better half's just like, what are you doing while she's yeah, cutting bare, wood? And- yeah, that's with gloves on. <laughs> she's got bare hands throwing things around. All right. Uh... A bit of a lack of quality matchups in week 12 this week, Will. Uh, Hopefully a bit of a chance to get some good games in, but if you did want to take a little bit of time, uh, again, here's an opportunity potentially to spend some time with, to get those brownie points up, spend some time with the significant other, maybe. Or go on an absolute bender for a pub crawl and write yourself off for, I don't know, a week. Was that you? Or? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, no, yeah. it's the SEC. That's who we've got to blame this week. This is their cupcake schedule. I, I said it in the recap episode a bit. The teams that they're coming up against, they're combined like 200-point favorites against. It's ridiculous. But hey, the Big 12 still provides. As always. Hey, the Big 12's been the uh, conference to watch this year, and that will continue to be the case this week. All right, playoff rankings as we jump straight into things. Uh, we've got a bit of a shake-up on a couple of segments this week, so we'll, we'll see how we go with those. But the playoff rankings this week, we have got zero movement in the top 10. Every one of those teams that was there remains in place. Uh, the only teams that have moved up are outside that UCF bump-up one, as does Syracuse, Florida are up. Uh, and so on and so forth. But those teams are out of the college football playoff now. Uh, nothing to really fret about here, Will. Go the Golden Knights. Making their move. <laughs> well, they got a lot of moving to do. Uh, I still am not happy with that. LSU still sitting at seven. If you look it's at disgusting, all, isn't it? If you look at all the records around them, Ohio State's nine and one, and they're sitting at ten. UCF is at nine and zero, oh, and they're sitting at eleven. So, the only two lost team in you know in the top ten is LSU. I still don't think they've done anything good, and I just I don't get it. I don't get it. No, I'm with you, mate. It's it really sticks out like a sore thumb. I think we can see that on the schedule for the remaining teams that are below them, they've got an opportunity to jump them probably. But yeah, but will they? Definitely, they have to with the wins that they'll get. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they have to, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, who knows? But uh, not much happening in the uh, college football playoff rankings. So, perhaps this is a chance for us to have a look through the Power Five conferences and have a look at who's going to be uh, battling it out for each of the conference titles this year. So, let me put you to the test and see where you're at and what, if you're actually taking things in. All this research that you do for this show, are you absorbing it or do you just regurgitate off a page? I would never do that. So, you know that. I'm a professional and I've got integrity. Sounds like you're reading this off a page. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, finals week, as in um, conference championship weekend, is we've still got two weeks of the regular season to go. Yep. And then and then the uh, conference championship games are the week after that. And then it's all on the line. So, the Big Ten. The Big Ten Northwestern are in, in the West. They are. 
And the East would have to come down to Michigan, who are ranked number four in the country at the moment, and Ohio State number 10. So the winner of that game next week will go through. Okay, yeah, no, spot on. You're dead right there. I think early on in the year, you said Northwestern were going to be a good team this year. Yes. You were right. You you did say that uh, Wisconsin were going to walk away with the conference title and that hasn't happened no but you did say that northwestern would be good so uh, congrats to them and i also predicted with one of my bold predictions for the season that michigan or texas would be playing the national championship and michigan are in with a shot they are they've still got to get through that ohio state game which is you know it's getting well, the pointy and this is where it comes exactly down to. right all that stuff up the top there's uh really tight at the moment but i think Things are going to be interesting in the Big Ten, and that Michigan-Ohio State game next week is is such a blockbuster. Really looking forward to it. All right, the SEC. Uh, Alabama's in, Georgia's in. It's done. Done. Who cares? Yep. Well, we'll care in a couple of weeks. Oh, obviously, but until then, <laughs> they get to beat up on some poor high school kids. <laughs> yeah. Yep. ACC. Uh, now, I should know this one pretty well. Clemson, obviously the number two team in the country, are and undefeated are in, in the Atlantic, in the coastal uh, Pitt somehow after starting the year in disgusting fashion uh, actually had a losing record there for a, a little while uh, are gonna well they've got a foot in the door there in the coastal they sit a game clear of Virginia and hold the tiebreaker over them as well which means Virginia have to win their last two and Pitt have to lose their last two effectively for that to for, for Virginia to get in so Pitt I don't know off the top of my head I can't remember who Pitt have got this week, uh, but they go to Miami next week. And um, I know Pitt spoiled Miami's season last year, so maybe Miami can return the favour this year. Yeah, I mean, the ACC is just Clemson and then just wide open space. Yeah. Absolute daylight. And then, what, Syracuse, Pitt? Even even Pitt, I don't think, are that great. They're one-dimensional. They're run-heavy. They're not... A ranked? G- good all-round team. Not ranked? Pitt, no. So no. non-ranked team battling it out for the uh, ACC Championship. Yeah. It would have to be a while since that's been the case, surely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, and you're looking at a year where Florida State's down, Miami's down, Virginia Tech's down. Now, those t- teams, although you know not always superpowers, but those teams are usually ranked at some stage throughout the season and those still count as good wins. Usually Mi- ranked towards the back end of the season. Yeah. Miami's not a good win this year. Florida State's not a good win this year. And those games do all count towards your overall ranking. I mean, not dissimilar to the Big Ten West. I think they're down this year. I know Northwestern got through, but they've looked ugly and scratchy at times. Uh, so, you know, I think both of those divisions are really, really flat at the moment. Definitely. All right, let's go Big 12. Big 12. Well, Oklahoma are out in front. Not by much, though. West Virginia, obviously, ranked nine in the country, so they've got to be up there as well. Yep, both six and one in conference play. Okay, and then you would have to have... Uh, who's the other team? Texas, around the mark. And one other? Iowa State. That's it. So the, both of those two teams are at five and two as well. So obviously, with two games to go, all of them still live. Uh, a lot of good matchups coming up, too, with... West Virginia having to go to Oklahoma State and Texas playing Iowa State this week. It just seems like the Big 12 just like backloaded the schedule and they're like, you know what, we're going to put all the teams that we think are going to be around the mark in the last four weeks playing each other. That's what's happened. And Yeah, well, that and there's also quite a few good teams in the Big 12. Yeah, oh, year. for sure. So Texas Tech, uh, whilst they dropped that early one to Ole Miss, have been a good team. So they've been playing in really good games. Iowa State are a surprise packet. They... Don't lose at home anymore, apparently. No. Matt Campbell's didn't. an amazing coach. So, yeah, it, it definitely is loaded towards the back end and it, it makes a great viewing because you really get your hopes up, but then it also hurts more when they lose. Yeah. I think Texas Tech, just on them quickly, possibly in any other season, could be in the top four. They probably played well enough to do that, but they're not going to finish there just because Iowa State is up at the moment. Texas is been a little bit resurgent this the, year the top four of the big 12 yeah, yeah that's oh what yeah, i mean yeah, sorry yeah. uh top four of the big 12 and and, and it is a bit disappointing for them because they've probably had one of their better seasons in a while definitely. And they've lost quite a few close games so they could definitely you know hold their head up high but 
what could have been, you know? Yeah, sure. All right, let's go La- to... Last one. Lucky last, pack 12. Um, now, this one's a little bit confusing, I believe, because the Pac-12 is a mess. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> there was a point where teams were just beating up each other, and Utah go from ranked to unranked to ranked to unranked to ranked again uh, in the space of about six weeks. So they're all over the shop. But I think the North must come down to Washington State, who are ranked eight in the country, and Washington at the end of the year. So they play in their rival game, rivalry game in two weeks, which is the Egg Bowl? No, that's... that's the, uh, sorry, that's, that's Old Miss State. Old Miss, yeah, sorry. The Apple Cup. There it is. Hey, I got there. Uh, the Apple Cup. So they'll play in that one and that'll be for the Pac-12 North. In the South, uh, now this one is a debacle. I would say Utah, but I think uh, Arizona have come good all of a sudden and Arizona State are around the mark. So you'll have to help me out with this one. I, c- I can't even tell you. I've got it in front of me and I don't know <laughs> who's going to come out of there. So that the, the South is still wide open and you know we'll have to see what plays out there. I think Arizona State does hold the tiebreaker against Utah because they beat them. So that will be of some value to them. But I think you've still got to win. I think whoever wins out probably is in. Bingo. All right. Uh, okay. Today on the chalkboard, as we jump across to talk some more X's and O's, we are going to finish up with our look at the college football offenses and the RPO game. So we've had a sort of deep dive on the spread in general, but the the spread has incorporated this this idea of the RPO and. Gus Malzahn, Chad Morris are the kind of famous guys for running it, but it obviously goes back a little bit longer than that. And and it has been around longer than the last kind of five, six, seven years where it has become a critical part of all levels of football from high school the way through to the NFL. All the rage in the NFL at the moment. It is all the rage. And we'll get into the reason for that in just a second. Uh, but Joe Tiller had Drew Brees in his days at Purdue sort of deciding on it a little bit he had a run or a pass option depending on the the where uh, an outside linebacker lined up so he could run a bubble screen to a, a slot receiver or he could hand it off for a draw based on the line now that is a pre-snap rpo but that's kind of the first sort of precursor of uh, the more modern concepts. I don't see Drew Brees running the ball all that often. But you don't need to. And this is the big thing of the RPO is that although RPO stands for run pass option and we uh, associate the RPO with kind of those rollout plays by quarterbacks where they're rolling to the edge and they have got a, they can take off and run or pass it uh, to some sort of route combination downfield. The RPO, and that's where I'll use different terminology, the RPO and the run-pass option, I actually call two different things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know. I know. So what does RPO stand for? So the RPO is still run-pass option, but there's two theories behind it, and this is where it gets a little confusing. The old run-pass option, which was Colin Kaepernick at the 49ers, where he just ran to the edge. He couldn't read a whole field, so they're just like, half-read this. If you can't throw it, run. That's the old kind of run-pass option. The RPO is where you have got a run-play called with a pass option in behind it. And I'll, I'll get into the depth of that in a little bit. But it's one of those things that's actually, unlike most concepts, they move from the NFL down to college and then down to the high school level. High schools actually were the first ones to start this years and years ago. Um, and they've brought it up and then it's filtered into the college game and now into the NFL. Uh, and there's another sort of idea that's come from that as well, which has come out lately, which is the power read or the power toss, um, which, or the dash sometimes called, or they're both run plays, but they've come from the high school level and they've actually, you know, made appearances now in the college game. So it's good to see that some of these concepts are running not only from the NFL down, but the high school system up. Firstly, we need to understand that this is not an offensive system in and of itself. It is not a structure to run a complete offense. Um, you, you could make, you know, you could major in the RPO, but it's not a true system. Your system's going to be different to that. So, for example, Auburn, who run a lot of it, are you know single back power. You could be an air raid with an inside outside zone. That could be your system that you run. 
and that's fine, but you can still RPO that. You could be a pistol team that runs power and counter. You can still RPO with that. You can be a run heavy gun wing T team and you can still run RPO with that. So it's not actually a system. It's more uh, a, a type of play that has been integrated and is so heavily used. All the rage at the moment though in terms of formation looks is a single back and often with a H-back um, with it. And this allows a lot of variation in the run game. They can insert that H-back as an ISO. They can wham block the DN. They can lead on counter. Uh, they can leak out into pass plays. So there's a lot of flexibility of having two guys in the backfield. The traditional tight end is actually moving to this H-back kind of semi-blocking, semi-pass catching, hybrid guy. Again, you know, this RPO is not a new kind of idea, but we need to understand that it is now about pairing your run game, whether that's inside zone, with a passing concept to protect that run. And you often run your passing play behind a conflict defender. So, for example, all right, like the zone read game in the run where you either you leave that defensive end unblocked and that running back takes the ball and if he crashes, you pull it and turn it outside. You've got an option there. This is based on the same thing. You're putting a line, often a linebacker, but you can easily RPO a safety. People have RPO'd cornerbacks, defensive linemen, although I argue that it's not really an RPO on a defensive lineman because they don't have a coverage responsibility. It's simply putting a defender in conflict that has a run responsibility and a pass responsibility. So for example, you may run inside zone to the right. So you're in the shotgun, you've got a running back lined up to your left, inside zone right, and then you've got a slant coming from the left as well. Uh, from the shotgun, you extend the ball out for the handoff. Your eyes are on that linebacker. If he fills on his run responsibility, which he probably will because he's a run defender first, you pull that ball and throw the slant behind him because he's just vacated that space. Depending on the linebacker keys, and this is what makes it really, really hard for defenses because depending on their keys, they're going to think run the whole way. The linemen are run blocking. They're not pass setting like they would on a play action. It, they're not pass setting like they would on a pass play. The running back is taking the handoff or what looks like a handoff. It looks like run the entire way until all of a sudden it isn't and the ball zipped past you. So the defense doesn't really have a great answer for this. The only options that people have used are going man-on-man -man across the board, which can take away the RPO, but that's living dangerously potentially. Or sometimes they go blitz-happy, and that can be dangerous also. So, you know, as a defense, it makes it really, really hard. Not only that, offensive linemen can get three yards downfield on a run block without being called for a legal man downfield. Defensive guys have complained about that, saying, well, it looks like a run the whole way. What are we supposed to do? We're defending the run. You're sort of not cheating, but it's within the rules, but it's making our life almost impossible. So it's just another adaption of option football. You can make it as complicated or as simple as you like. People have been double reading defensive ends, then up to safeties or defensive ends up to cornerbacks. It all depends on the play. There's literally no limit with the creativity you can get with it. It's frustrating for a defense. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere. And if you aren't running some kind of RPO at the moment, then you are living in the past. Yeah, and it's a big part of why scores are just getting higher and higher at all levels of the game. I mean, college football has always been quite wide open and quite high scoring. But the NFL, you're seeing more touchdowns scored now than ever before. And this is a big reason behind that because they're really taking advantage of the sorts of options that they have available like any little uh thing that they can use to get ahead they will do it because there's so much on the line and and the rpo has been massive in that space yeah it'll be interesting to see how defend defense adjusts even if it maybe it doesn't maybe it's just going to be like well we're just going to have to take the hits on that and we're just going to have to score more and that's kind of what some of these teams are going with they're like well defense just got to hold on if you can and this is big 12 football if you can make three stops in a game sometimes that's enough to win and that's the attitude we're going to take and it's what the consumer wants is it absolutely yeah well unless you're in the sec 
Okay, that brings us to the end of the chalkboard. Uh, if you want to hear some more about some offensive concepts, then more than happy to discuss those and talk about those. Uh, but we may head to some defensive chat in the next couple of weeks. Now that English Jess has stopped interrupting us and being extremely rude, although she does a terrible job with the production on this, you would think that she would you know, focus in rather than bring the attitude. But anyway... Let's get into some game previews. Let's do it. All right. Firstly, we've got number 12, the Syracuse Orange against number three, Notre Dame, played in Yankee Stadium. Now, this would be college game day, but it is not. Uh, I don't know if they just didn't want people lining up outside Yankee Stadium. I don't know if they've got anywhere to kind of host it, but this would, I would think, would be your college game day, but apparently not. I'm sure Notre Dame probably had it this year already, uh, somewhere early on, maybe even week one, Michigan, uh, yeah, Notre possibly. Dame, so they like to share the love around. Yeah, oh, I don't can, have a problem with it going to UCF. Exactly right, if you can get it down to that, which is a, a really good matchup, I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, you think this one will be close? Yeah, I'd, oh, I'm up in the air in this, like I feel like it's going to go one of one of two, way, two ways, I think. Uh Notre Dame, if they win, they're in. And that's the way they've got to say. I keep saying that Notre Dame will lose a game at some stage, but they're running out of games to do that. The reason I think it's going to be close is Dino Babers has done a really, really good job with that Syracuse offense. And he is a big proponent of the RPOs. He ran that in college a long, long time ago. They play this up-tempo, aggressive offense led by Eric Dungey, who's And you know they're averaging over 44 points a game. Uh, and they're running nearly like 80 to 90 plays, which is just a massive amount and puts a lot of pressure on that defense. But they're playing a defense that is really, really good. Louisville, Wake Forest, UNC and NC State, who are the four teams that Syracuse have played, just aren't as good as Tavon Coney and his mates for the Irish. So I think Notre Dame are going to have too much for Syracuse, but offensively, there's a lot of firepower there that Notre Dame have got to be nervous about. Yeah, the Orange have been balling out this year, and they've been good fun to watch. Uh, as you said, Eric Dungy is a hell of a quarterback, and looking into it, he's only one of three active quarterbacks to have thrown for at least 8,000 yards in their career, but also rushed for 1,000 yards too. So that's along with Trace McSorley and Mackenzie Milton at Central Florida. So those are two, you know, that's quite high company that he's in there. And I think when you've got a really good quarterback at the college level, it's a massive win. And I mean, same with any level of football, but at the college level especially, that's enough to often get you over the line in some of these big marquee matchups. If someone can catch fire and, you know, that it all starts to build behind them. They get that momentum. You can see it happen. And we're better than Yankee Stadium for that to all happen this week with Notre Dame, everything on the line, and Syracuse ready to spoil the party. So, Are they going to? What do you reckon? I really like their chances this week. I, I, I really do. I, uh, I went to a game at Yankee Stadium. I watched a bowl game there. It was like the... Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah, Must that... be the Pinstripe Bowl. Well done. Thank you. All over that. Yeah. Uh, I watched... Rutgers play Iowa State. And that was the year that Iowa State had broken my heart. So I was very happy to see Rutgers knock off Iowa State there. <laughs> yeah. So I think it can happen again and that Syracuse can get over the top of Notre Dame in what would be an upset. Yes, it would be. I think that the big difference in this one is going to be the running game and the specifically the running game of the Irish. If Dexter Williams can get going and continue to play well. We had a bit of a down week last week, but if he can continue to play well, they can control the line of scrimmage and allow that defense a bit of a breather, then I think they'll be okay, especially if Ian Book is out again. Yeah, is he going to play? Well, not sure at this stage. He's still got that lingering rib issue. Brandon Wimbush is not the passer, and if, you are, if you're going to play from behind against Syracuse and you're going to have to pass the ball downfield, Brandon Wimbush is not the guy you want doing it. He'd, he would have like that typical stat line that he would have, like go like 14 of 26 for like 170, one touchdown, two interceptions, and, and that's just not a way to live against a high-powered Syracuse offense. 
So, you know, on their day, I think Syracuse can beat them for sure. But I think Notre Dame's defense will make enough stops and they will win in the end. I can see Syracuse covering that 10 points that they've been given though. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've been talking about Notre Dame's defense all year, how they're an elite unit. And this is as good our offense as they would have come up against. So I'm really looking forward to see how that plays out. Six o'clock kickoff for this one. So make sure you get around. This game should be a nice, easy one to watch. Strength on strength. Okay, heading to the Big 12, we have got number 16, Iowa State, heading down to Austin, Texas to play the number 15 team in the country and the Longhorns. Now, check this game earlier in the week and you could still get tickets for $2 a piece. What? I don't know if that's still a thing now. But that that's what it was saying right. earlier in the week. So Is that like car park tickets or something. I maybe? don't know. I don't know. I He's don't played know. in Austin. He's played in Austin. I so. know. I went there for like a nothing match, and tickets sure cost me a lot more than two, two bucks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, righto. Um, Texas has been playing better and better as this season progresses. I know they didn't finish against West Virginia, but they did last week in a really uh, emphatic fashion, and that's an important. Uh, skill I guess to develop for Sam Ellinger and and you know not get run over at the end so that was really important for them to do that but gee Iowa State and Brock Purdy uh, are going to be well prepared Matt Campbell's a fantastic coach I am nervous again for Texas and I think a lot of Texas fans are no one's taking this Iowa State team lightly anymore I don't I, it's a coin flip for me I think although I'm going to bet on it later in the day Okay. Uh, I think that Texas win this one easily. I think that Iowa State are a good football team. They've had a great year. I think at home, they are a different unit. And because this is played in Austin, I think Iowa State are going to struggle. I think not having... David Montgomery, their star running back. Stop getting ejected, dude. Stop getting ejected. That was a good brawl. You see that? (laughs) Those boys were just getting after it. One dude threw like a punch around the the referee. What what are you doing? Yeah. But I always like dudes throwing punches at guys with helmets on. Like, it ain't going to work out for you, brother. (laughs) Just going to break your fucking hand. Yeah, I know. There's a slim chance you could, like, poke your fingers through the gap but they're not even doing that I'm all for that like if someone went the full Captain Insano whack I'd be like respect that's badass I mean you just cost that guy's eyesight but at least you're kind of looking after yourself a little bit there the old punch to the helmet yeah silly so as a result of that they've lost Montgomery and I think that really hurts them he is probably their best player Uh, Brock Purdy has really come on but he's a young freshman and they need him to play out of his skin to get over Texas this week and I just don't see it happening well he's got to play a bad one somewhere surely surely he's got to have a down game because he just hasn't yet up until this point Iowa State continue to find just random freshman quarterbacks to come in and play really really well and and Texas are still in the conversation for the Big 12 Championship so they're not taking this lightly at all they've got Everything on the line. So they're coming in, dialed in. The crowd's going to be into it. I, I see them as really having a good day. Well, I'm convinced. You've convinced me, so thank you for that. But possibly not going to see the uh, full shootout kind of going over 85 points sort of set up. Uh, Iowa State will play a little bit more defense than that and could be close, but I'm I'm tending to agree. Maybe not in the blow. I see Texas by like 7 to 10 points, somewhere there. Okay. All right, now we do have college game day. Number 24, Cincinnati head to Orlando, Florida to see the number 11 UCF Golden Knights. And wow, uh, the 22-game winning streak is on the line here. There it is. And I don't know, are Cincinnati good enough to beat Mackenzie Milton and Greg McRae in this high-powered offense? Or will a defense from the Bearcats that's only conceding 14 points a game going to have their way? Because it seems to be strength on strength here. Yeah, I think you're right. You're spot on. Mackenzie Milton's a baller at UCF and he has been for a couple of years now. I mean, the guy doesn't remember the last time he lost a game. It was probably in like middle school or something when he was playing three grades up. But he knows how to win football games and this is a very good UCF team uh Cincinnati on the other hand 
struggled to get over SMU on the road a couple weeks back. They've been good. They, they started the season really well and have been, you know, a, an incredibly strong American athletic team. But I, I still think UCF are, are the team to beat here. The fact that it's at home for them too really helps their cause. If this was in Cincinnati, the other way around, I might lean the other way. But I think home team here really has the advantage, especially with game day, because it's a huge student body they have there. Something like 60,000, yeah, 70,000 students. Massive. You know that place is going to be pumping. Everyone who's there is going to be keen as. And not only that, it's a chance for the Knights to show that they deserve to be in that conversation. This is the national spotlight. And yeah, and they've got an opportunity to do it. I don't know what it would take for them to see themselves above a Power 5 team. Like if they went, they're in a bit of a lose-lose situation. They go and blow a team out and it's like, well, that team's just not that good. They, you know, win it close and it's like, well, you played a team close that's not very good. So there's no real great scenario here for UCF moving forward and I don't see how they're going to make it in the play. But it should be a fantastic game, a great spectacle for the American, a great spectacle for the UCF uh, Knights uh, on the whole and looking for a close game. And a great spe- spectacle for James Smith, the punter at Cincinnati. We'll, we'll have all eyes on him. We um, will be watching number him. Number six in the nation has been for a number of weeks now. So if you are dialing into ESPN and watching this game, make sure you have a look at him, uh, a student athlete at the top of their craft. Okay, other games for from around the country this week. You have got Ohio State at Maryland, which may be a l- interesting to watch. That line's a little bit closer than I thought it would be, certainly under a touchdown, and I thought, didn't think it would be that close. Is it? What, what are the points uh, on that? I thought it was under a touchdown. I will check this one for you. I think it's two touchdowns. No, is it two touchdowns? Two I, touchdowns. I apologize. That seems a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I'm just straight up wrong there. And I'll apologize to all Ohio State fans out there. Uh, Michigan State at Nebraska. I think this one could be a fantastic game. Uh, A chance for Nebraska to show that they are continuing on the rise. Michigan State looking to bounce back after being pretty much dominated by the Buckeyes last week. West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Again, if you're looking for entertainment in the Big 12, this will be another one. Uh, If you like defense, don't bother. If you need to get up and go to the toilet, you'll probably miss a score. So lock yourself in for that one. Uh, USC at UCLA. Don't know that that's going to be a fantastic game. I expect UCLA to win that one. I expect Clay Helton to not have a coaching job this time next week. And I also expect that the Battle of Los Angeles will be taken very seriously by both teams. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge rivalry game. Uh, I wish that was your bold prediction because that's a good one. I, I don't think he's under that much pressure. I mean, yeah, they've been disappointing, but freshman quarterback buys you a little bit of leeway. Uh, I think he should be gone, but I, I'm i not sure that happens this week if they get done. Back-to-back losses against Cow and UCLA. Hey, I'm all for it. Sack the dude, but I just don't <laughs> see it. I don't see it playing out that way. All right. Uh, Arizona at Washington State. I still feel like Washington State haven't done anything to Washington State-ish just yet. And that's usually lose to someone that they perhaps shouldn't. Now, Arizona have been on the up. Yes, it's played in Pullman, but Khalil Tate seems to have got this offense rolling a little bit lately. And I'm just still not 100% convinced that the Cougars are going to handle them convincingly. Yeah, a little bit up in the air, this one. Uh, I think Washington State have it but there is that just that nagging at the back of your head it's washington state yeah, yeah. they're yeah. gonna slip up yeah they're i hope they don't down. they're I gonna drop they it don't. i'd love to see an air raid team get through and continue to Absolutely. be in the national spotlight and the last one arizona state at oregon that has pac-12 south implications uh now god knows what will happen oregon will probably win by 80 points arizona will pl- probably be up by 80 points at half time and lose somehow I don't know what's going to happen in the Pac-12. So seven, seven overtimes. Seven, seven overtimes. Seven, so it's a two o'clock start, so it's really Pac-12 after dark, and yeah. it'll finish like... The <laughs> East Coast will be waking up, but this one will still yeah. be playing out. Yeah. 
looking for a crazy one like that. We probably haven't had that in the Pac-12 yet this year. Not too many crazy, crazy finishes, which... Yeah, I don't know. Oregon and Stanford. Stanford, yeah, that was actually pretty That's hectic. probably as, as crazy as it gets. <laughs> yeah, so. that is true. Uh, but usually Pac-12 after dark goes bananas, so that might be uh, one to just keep an eye on in the afternoon. All right, moving right along. It is time for Aaron's weekly schedule. How exciting. So here it is. We, we kind of teased it at the get-go that uh, we'll be shaking things up a little this week. But on the back of my poor performance on the punt, we've decided to kind of flip things up a little bit. Aaron's going to have a crack on the punt. And I've decided to step up and have a bit of a crack at uh, Aaron's schedule. He, he puts in a lot of work each week and we appreciate it. I'm sure you as the listener appreciate it. So I've had a crack myself and haven't put in nearly as much work. But uh, as long as I don't catch your lack of punting ability is what I'm most That's what we're about. after, 100%. <laughs> so let's get into it. We'll, we'll start things I'm so nervous. <laughs> It's, Don't drop the ball here, dude. Don't drop the ball. It's Saturday night, and you're going large. It was a few cheeky beers at a mate's that has quickly accelerated, and now you find yourself absolutely sending it at wherever it is that people go to write themselves off in your local town. It's the magnificent woolshed here in Adelaide. Oh, God. Now, you're a seasoned campaigner here, and you know you've got a decision to make. Do you, A, put the foot down... And have a crack at drinking the place dry of Bundy. Or B, understand that such behaviour will have you reeling until mid to late next week, where you'll be left a shell of a human, barely able to function at an incredibly rudimentary level. Decisions, decisions. To think this one through, you head to the toilet to relieve yourself of the litres of bourbon you've had over the last hour. Upon arrival, you can't help but be surprised at the amount of people who need to take a dump at this hour. The lineup for the cubicle is almost out the door. To make matters worse, it appears that the bloke who's currently in there must have a really bad head cold. And what also appears to be four legs. While standing at the urinal, cock in hand, you catch yourself verbally sharing your thoughts. Not talking to anyone specifically, just proper pissed. That's it. Time for a box of the Colonel's Flyerlist and to get your ass home. Just in time for the 3.30 slot. Oh, that is very, very solid start there, Will. Very sharp. You alright with that? Well done. Alright, 3.30. There's some garbage from the SEC and I would be stealing well clear of that. Big Ten's pulling up us through with a couple though. Ohio State at Maryland could be okay and Michigan State at Nebraska should be fun. Moving along. Oh, God. Round two, here we go. You're living that best version of your life. I hate that saying. You're up at sunrise, heading down to the beach to have a bit of a recovery wade on the back of the hike or ride or whatever it was that was the incredible journey that was yesterday. It's a beautiful morning, no wind, and the water's like glass. As you head out in your one-size-too-small speedos, you're taking it all in. This is what life is really about. You lean back and begin to float in the water. You start to think, man, I'm glad I don't drink anymore. I feel so much better. I'm so happy I've changed my diet and live exclusively off lettuce leaves and the like. I'm in peak physical and mental condition. Nothing will stop me from achieving my goals. Unfortunately, however, you found yourself out of the realm where you are the apex predator. And just before you're thinking... <laughs> about how great your life is, goddamn shark shoots up from beside you and eats your motherfucking leg. Now, fortunately, old Jaws was just looking for a morning snack and seemed satisfied, heading off about his day. This leaves you splashing about, short one leg, trying desperately to get onto shore. By the time you make it in, helpers arrive, they rush you to hospital, all just in time for the 7am window. <laughs> Without a leg. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Good viewing. Yeah, you got morphine. <laughs> okay. That's good. Good. Okay, so 7 o'clock. Uh, well, we have 6 o'clock Syracuse Notre Dame. If you want to get up at 7, you might miss the first half of the first quarter there. I'm all for that. 
Then you've got West Virginia, Oklahoma State, which is going to be a ripper. Miami at Virginia Tech, which should be good. And the rivalry in LA, USC at UCLA. All right, let's round this one home. <laughs> you feel like I'm eating up some air time here. <laughs> no, it's good. All right, it's Sunday morning and you've just got back from the farmer's market. You've picked up plenty of fresh produce to see you out the week. But this week was different. This week you had a plan. Once you carried all the bags in, you peck the missile on the forehead and say, don't worry, Dale, I've got it from here. Perfect. That clears her out. Now for the next steps in your master plan. While she was under the impression that you were randomly selecting a few bits and pieces throughout the morning, little did she know that what you have assembled is all of the ingredients to make the most overindulgent burger anyone has ever seen. You have no intention of putting this stuff away and eating it throughout the week. All this shit is going in this bad boy right now. As you start to get to work, you feel this is what Michelangelo must have felt like when sculpting his David. This thing is a mammoth and it's coming together beautifully. Man, is she going to be pissed when she sees you've done this. You crack on until it's finally complete, like something sent down from heaven above. You best get into the man cave now, flick on the college ball and enjoy it whilst you can as you know you'll be paying for it later. <laughs> That's good gear. This is your 11am slot. And Iowa you... State at Texas, Cincinnati at UCF. And you've done that before. I'm not cooking food for my... I'll go out and buy it and then make it cook it for me. <laughs> That's God. the pig of a human that I am. Alright, how did, how did that feel? I, I was alright with it, yeah. You're alright with it? Thoughts? I'm very sharp, mate. Very sharp. You can, I mean, if my betting goes well, I feel like we've got a uh, role reversal here, which I'm more than okay with. No, very impressive. I mean, if your betting goes well and I start to get some of that money back, I'm all for it too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, championship draft time. I've got number two, Clemson, number four, Michigan, number six, Georgia, and number seven, Oklahoma. Sounds about right. Oh, and who do you have there, Will? I have number one, Alabama. Number three, Notre Dame. Number nine, West Virginia. And number 10, Ohio State. Now, am I picking first? You're picking first. I'm not going to move either way, but just to clarify, I don't have six and seven. I've got two Clemson, four Michigan, five Georgia, six Oklahoma. So I've got four in the top six, which is looking good for me. And I don't have seven or eight. So I don't have LSU and I don't have Washington State. Yep. And I'm not going to grab them. Okay. I'm going to sit. I, I prefer West Virginia in the Big 12. I think if they knock off Oklahoma as Big 12 champs, they're more likely to jump up there. Same thing with Ohio State. I like their chances better as Big 10 champs. Uh, LSU are done in my eyes. Apparently not the committees, but <laughs> yeah. I don't have them there. And Washington State could win the Pac-12. Yeah, I still think the other two wins would be better as champions coming out yep no worries all right bold prediction time now i've got two so far this season will is yet to snag one so let's see if you can do so this week okay yeah no thanks for pointing that out there everyone it's incredibly (laughs) unnecessary you've done a good job on the schedule bold predictions just the next thing to drop mate. okay so we touched on this game earlier but this week i am saying that the orange are here to spoil the party as a 10-point underdog, I'm predicting Syracuse to upset Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. So, 10 points tends to be where I've tried to draw my bold prediction line. If you're talking double digits, that's not bad. You yeah. cool with that? Yeah, it's only just bold, I would say. Just bold. But, yes, I actually don't hate that. And uh, there's possibly worth a flutter there as well if you've got a little bit of spare money, which Will Uh, doesn't. uh, (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Um, Then that's probably not worth just a a cheeky waiver on. All right. I have got top 10 standoff. Last week, there was no movement in the top 10. Everyone's looking around in the room, kind of eyes shifty, shaking. Who's going to be the first one to drop? But it's not going to be this week. The top 10 will fail to move again this week. All in there will win as expected. And the the carnage will have to wait one more 
week. Okay, so who are we saying is winning their games here? I, I need this to be bold. So you're saying Alabama's going to beat Citadel. Ain't exactly moving the needle for me on the bold front. <laughs> okay. Clemson to beat Duke? Yeah, I mean, that's fairly safe, right? It's They're in, at home? Yeah, it's at home. Notre Dame at Syracuse? I mean, that I've, picked. I've picked the other side of, but as my bold prediction, so they're double-digit favourites. Yeah. Michigan are playing Indiana at home. Uh, yeah, that... Indiana could, are two and five in the Big Ten, that, so... That could be a not, dangerous one. Not doing eats for me. Georgia are playing the Minutemen. Yeah. I think they're like 29-point favourites or something. Yep, so... Uh, okay. Uh, Oklahoma's playing Kansas. Yep, dangerous. <laughs> Real dangerous game. LSU's playing Rice. Uh, yeah. That could be close as well. I'm really putting all my eggs in the number nine game, really. Washington State's playing Arizona. And, you know, maybe there's a chance they don't win that. Okay. Uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Yeah, they're on the road against a team that, you know, almost beat Oklahoma last week, has beaten Texas. So definitely tight there. And who rounds us out at 10? Ohio State at Maryland. Okay. All right. Wow. It's still 10 picks. It is 10 picks. Can we multi it up? Can you somehow multi this up for us at some point and we'll get it up on Twitter to see what it's going to pay? I can. I can do that. More I'm just than, on the gambling front now. Yeah, so. obviously. More than four bucks, and I'll be happy with that. And I think it will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just I feel I, like picking 10 games in college football, and not only that, you're going to get everyone's best game now. Like, you're not just getting teams roll in and flop through the motions like you do in the first couple of weeks, where, you know, maybe you play FIU in the first week, or Toledo, or North Texas, or whatever, and you're just kind of getting them tuned up so they're ready for their conference play. Every team that plays against these guys from now on is looking to effectively ruin their season. And that is what's on the line. And that is how I'm going to defend it. Yeah, okay. I mean, there are some that you're not going to get odds on because it's just free money. They won't even give you the dollar one. Okay. But, but uh, all right, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Let's all right. lock it in, Eddie. Thank you. All right. And let's go on the punt with Will. I am here to bring you winners. Or not this week. I am going to be looking after you this week because Will has put us 30 units in the hole or close to. 29.7. Thank you very much. (laughs) Sorry. So I'm going to give us some pretty safe bets this week, but it's just to get us moving in the right direction. Sometimes that's all you need. Just an easy win, uh, a nice easy layup, a quick single in cricket, a nice three-yard completion, something to just get you moving in the right direction. No, we need 29.7 units. (laughs) They will come. The time will come. But this week, I am saying three units on Nebraska to win. They're five-point home dogs, um, but they're playing much better at the moment against the number 18 team in the country. they got Michigan State coming to town. I'm saying take them outright. I think when I was uh, running this segment, and you know, I'm not going to harp on this, but when I was, I had banned Nebraska betting because I was losing too much money on them. So I, I cleared myself. So happy to see you go back after it. <laughs> yes, I will. All right. The next three bets, and I'm happy for you to pick any of these that you are keen on, but this is what I'm going with. I'm going on two units with West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Now I've got I'm ta- in all these three following games, I'm going to take uh, the over-under and I'm going to make a bet at the line and put those two together. So West Virginia, Oklahoma State, I'm taking the over in a shootout, 71.5 points. Those two teams are going to go over that. They will light up the scoreboard, no worries. And I like to take the points in a shootout as well. So that's Oklahoma State plus 5.5. So are we talking two separate bets here? No. So the two together? Correct. West Virginia plus five and a half and over 71? Over 71 and a half, Oklahoma State plus five and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. All right. Second one, and that was two units. Two units. Iowa State at Texas, over 49 points, and Texas to cover the one and a half points that they are getting for the win at home. 
Last one, two units, Northwestern at Minnesota. Bit of a danger game, but this one is going to be a frosty cold one again. So I'm saying take the under at 50.5 points and then Northwestern to win up there and cover. They're getting minus 2.5. They will cover that. Minnesota had one good game last week, but that will be it for them. Okay, so let's quickly recap that. So Nebraska to win outright. You've got... uh, Oklahoma State plus the five and a half and that one to go over. You've got Texas minus one and a half and over the 49 points. You have got Northwestern minus two and a half and the under there. Okay, I like it. So there you go. Time to get back in the winner's circle, I hope. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. I mean, we're not making it all back this week, but there would definitely be a good chunk of cash on offer for us if we're able to do that. So, really hoping we can get it. So, it was three units, the first one, two... Two and two. Two and two? Yeah. Is that nine units? That is not nine u- Oh, that is nine units. <laughs> Can't count, dude. This the is math, my first math, time. I knew, I knew. The math teacher. I knew. I was getting nervous. I was just so worried about what I was going to pick. What I'd say then, put one unit on Syracuse to win. Can't I multi them all up together? You could do that if you wanted to. I would be a little hesitant on the Northwestern Minnesota one. That would be the little one that I I know that's actually got the that's only paying three thirty uh, out of all those three. But I think that that one is the one I'm a little bit iffy on at this stage. So I'd be more likely to take Syracuse on a flyer. Okay, one unit on Syracuse. All right, D- done. There we go. Happy days on the punt. And it's not my money. I'm playing with house money at this point, or Will's money. <laughs> Uh, the bank's money. Yeah, well, the bank's money. All right, that brings us to the end of our Week 12 preview show. As always, hit us up on Facebook and... Oh, not on Facebook, on Instagram and on Twitter at College Football Down Under. Tell all your friends, make sure you get the word out there about college football here in Australia or in America, in Australia. And uh, make sure you do enjoy your Week 12 of college football action. My name's Aaron, that is Will... We will see you with some refreshed bank accounts. Catch you next time.